0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want To Do What? Today we've got Oliver Yonchevan and he's the CEO of Flight Story. Hi Oliver.
1: Hey Daniel, good to meet you. And you mate,
0: and you. Um, should we jump straight in Oliver? Do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do?
1: Yeah, God, that's a load of questions, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start in a professional capacity. So uh, I founded a, a company with Stephen Bartlett, um, UK entrepreneur, Um <clears throat> And now Dragon's Den star, um, we started a company called Flight Story at the end of last year. Um, Stephen and I had worked together for several years in a, his prior business called Social Chain, which was a large um, e-commerce and social marketing business. Um, I'd been on that journey with him for about six years. And then last year, we decided to launch a new business called Flight Story. And uh, Flight Story was born out of two things. Um, one, opportunity and the shifting of the guard in, in investing. Um, and the second thing was a reflection on what were we as, uh, I suppose, entrepreneurs and uh, what were we really good at um, and where could we apply what we're good at to greater effect? And that's where Flight Story was born. And, and Flight Story today is an in-house consultancy and we support Um, early stage and pre-IPO and public companies. And we help them with a couple of things. Um, We first help them define what an opportunity is as it relates to their investor base. And investor bases can be vast and varied. For early stage companies, investors can be institutional, VC, private. Um, For pre-IPO companies, they have a mix of retail investor and institutional investor um and for those that aren't aware a retail investor is me and you anyone with a mobile phone that makes an investment um all the way through to ex-banker ex-entrepreneur that deploys a lot of capital into businesses and such. so it's a real broad spectrum of skills and expertise um and then on the 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 more professional end is the institutional investor and the the public company so um what we do is uh, effectively look to innovate and um galvanize investor bases across the broad spectrum and uh, help founders and companies get the credit that they deserve
0: i mean it sounds really interesting and i'm probably going to massively oversimplify it but i think i saw, saw some commentary around flight story um and it was saying you know any company that goes for an ipo or is trying to raise money or whatever if you're not using the power of social media and creators and whatnot to to bring awareness to what you're doing you're missing a huge part of the game right
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I I think the ability to communicate really effectively online as either an individual, as a public figure, as a company, as a public company, um, I believe is a modern day superpower. You know, there are so many people and companies and organizations doing interesting things. And if they don't have the ability to say concisely, clearly, effectively what they do um, and the media landscape is is um evolved rapidly over the last sort of 15 years accelerated through you know mass digital adoption social media's supercharged everything and um the finance industry more broadly has stayed quite antiquated for some time and that is probably only been in the real sort of last 5 years that there's been a hell of a lot of innovation in finance and subsequently the technology that has come out of that and um where there's change there is always opportunity and the one thing that we'd spent you know uh, almost seven eight years doing was helping organizations understand the role of social media and get better at um, their marketing efforts um, and considering the new opportunity in the new environment in, in investing we felt there was a big opportunity <laughs>
0: So that's modern day. That's what you're doing mm-hmm. now. But let's go back a bit and let's start from the beginning of your career journey. What were you doing? Did you go to university, for example? And what was your first kind of job?
1: Yeah, wildly different. So I'm a failed indie rock star. That's my <laughs> I'm going to say the word star. It's like sounds really indulgent, right? But um, <laughs> no, uh, my journey was an unusual one. So growing up, um, I had one mission. I was going to be a football player. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I played at a relatively high junior level. Um, alongside that, uh, my mom is uh, a big inspiration in my life. I had a great upbringing um, and she was a dance teacher. She started drum lessons in her mid-40s and like took me along. <laughs> so I started to play drums and I had two passions at that point. I played drums and I played football. Um, you get to that sort of age where you have to start making decisions that feel really consequential at the time mm. they feel like they're going to dictate the path of the rest of your life and at that point I actually suffered an injury at the point of deciding you know do I continue pursuing football or um, I was out of a season for about nine months and I was about oh, wow. to go semi semi-pro for a for a team where it's you know the idea of getting paid 200 pound a week to play football was like mind blowing at 15. Mm. I mean it was just mind blowing. Um anyway, I, I I sort of decided that I would go to college and I studied music and production um, and formed a band. And then my heart and passions sort of went in that direction. And for about four or five years I pursued being in a band, did my studies, um, got a record deal, um, and then recorded an album, did all that stuff, and then the band Uh, the singer quit who was my brother inadvertently and I had to I lost all orientation and thought what do I do with my life so I actually did go to university I knew music so I studied music and part of my music course um was marketing and promotion okay so I got I got immersed into the world that was marketing found a new passion or something I found really interesting and it felt like the career prospects associated with this new thing I'd come to learn. were there, so I studied um, music, finished my degree, joined a graduate scheme for a large media organization in Europe, did that for five years, and then five years into my journey, I stumbled across a, a, an early stage startup that was called Social Chain. Um, I'm scrolling down Facebook one day and I see a TED Talk from Stephen Bartlett that said, how I built a multi-million dollar business knowing nothing about business. <laughs> um, as many people, that speaks to them. And uh, I, for the first time in my life, I actually reached out to Stephen and said, um, you know, really inspiring story. Just seen your TED Talk, um, keep it up. He responded back to me and said, hey, we're a growing business. We're looking for great people. I've just looked at your LinkedIn profile. Um, Do you want to come and have a chat with us? So I went. The team was, there was about 25 people in the business at the time, but I started to do my research on the company. I met some of the stakeholders and the management team, and I fell in love. They were just different. It was refreshing. Um, I was inspired. Uh, Everything that you kind of want to do. And I was at a point where it felt like a risk leaving this stable um career that I'd mapped out in my mind and to to join a startup and I did that for 6 years and saw the company and uh saw the company go through you know what was its infancy in the UK all the way through to a global business a public listing going to you know today it's a 700 million turnover business wow um and that was my career journey prior to flight story and then last summer I exited and quit that business and uh, began a new chapter
0: Wow, quite quite a career story there. So, so when you went to university, or, or now when you're looking back at it, we, we kind of spoke about this before before we jumped on. But do you value your time at university, or do you think uh, maybe I could have jumped straight into work?
1: Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. I believe the collective sum of all your experiences, even the insignificant ones, help shape who you are. And I, I look back and go, did I wish I went into entrepreneurship younger? Um, maybe, maybe not, because I, I I think whether it was the pursuit of passion and music, I learned a lot about myself, and I probably nurtured some creative skills that I believe today in business give me so many advantages. Um, going to university, I discovered marketing. Inadvertently, I realised I'd been a marketeer for a lot of my life. Whether you're you know marketing your own brand. Um, your musical interests, your passions, you know, anything you do. I realized that I'd I'd had an innate uh, understanding of marketing and appreciation for how people think and feel for a long time. Um, And through university, I think you get a lot out of it, right? There's the career prospects. And Mm -hmm. is there a faster way to develop a career than university? Absolutely. Is university perfect? Certainly not. Does university, for many people, give them a fresh start, a view on life? a ability to meet new people from different backgrounds that they may not have in their own experience i think absolutely so for me university enriched me in many ways um i don't regret any of it and i, I think it's it's very easy in today's world to, it's almost a cliche that it's very easy for entrepreneurs to bash university mm. um, but underpinning university's education i don't think university today is perfect or the systems that are in place but education for me is, is everything. And and focusing on self and development is really important. So I definitely think university should and can play a really important role in, in aiding people's lives.
0: No, that's, that's a very good point. Um, and when you were at social change, say you were looking to maybe hire someone or bring someone into the fold, what kind of things stood out for you, whether it be on a CV or, or whatever, however they would apply?
1: Um, a couple of things, really. I, 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 came to learn as the organization grew and I was responsible for a lot more hiring. I I really reflect back and and understood that a business is simply a group of people and your current and future success will be predicated by great people um, working towards a sort of central mission. So if, if you think that's true, kind of recruiting and hiring is incredibly important. And the qualities that I personally sort of look for my checklist is, is very much first and foremost character. You spend a lot of time working with people. And character is somewhat subjective, but you know, you like to know that people have um ambition, you like to know that they've demonstrated a good work ethic, you like to know that they're just nice people, they're compassionate, they're humble. I think good character always is um, a really important deciding factor for me then. And then the second thing is, you know, does this person um, have something or have a, a diverse perspective that I don't? And when I say diversity, I don't just mean in uh, gender and ethnicity or, or just background. And um, those things are incredibly important, but I actually mean diversity of thought. You know, in embarking on Flight Story, we were very clear to bring together people that had very different career histories, different perspectives, bringing people in in our capacities. We're bringing together consultants, people from finance, elite strategists, marketeers, creatives. And I actually think that's the dynamics of great teams is bringing together. So the second criteria beyond character to me is, you know, do they add value to the business? And then the third is, Um, I actually look for people that's had progression within an organization. This is a bit of a, I suppose, a soft quality, but often to me, if you can demonstrate that you've been promoted or elevated, and of course, everyone has different circumstances, that to me as an employer is a good indication that you were valued. And that's um, um, that's not to say that you can't be great and highly capable if you haven't been promoted, because organizations aren't always fair. The world isn't always fair. Um, but it's definitely a, a good indicator for me of, you know, uh, uh, as you're wading through CVs and things of that nature.
0: So we've been having a really interesting conversation with everyone that's come on the podcast. Uh, and I'm I'm fascinated by this. And it's the CV versus the kind of online portfolio. And, and you working in social media will maybe understand this better than most. That platforms like linkedin or even twitter and sometimes instagram showcasing your work or your skill set mm-hmm. online and building an audience to me that is the future of of cvs and, and uh, people applying for jobs if you've got an actual you know live thing people can go on and see what you've done a cv is great and it can give you a breakdown on what you've done but it's 100 times better to have that online portfolio i don't know if you'd agree
1: yeah absolutely i think your digital reputa- uh, reputation. Your digital self is is phenomenally important. I think it's a modern day superpower. Um, you know, I our when when we look, our primary source of finding candidates, if we're being proactive, um, we look on LinkedIn and you know, uh showcasing the, and a lot of our jobs and roles are, are creative endeavors, so we want to see quality of work, um, and and such. But I think it goes one step further when you think about. Um, you you alluded to it a little bit there with kind of personal brand. You didn't use the framing of personal brand, but you kind of suggested, um, you know, the idea that your online personality and audiences that you create are important. Um, I, I think the reality is in today's landscape, if you have merit and credibility around ideas you put out into the world, that speaks volumes about your abilities and your employment prospects far more than a sort of rigid piece of paper ever would. So I just think there's more depth and more opportunity today to express yourself. And the traditional hierarchy and limitations that used to exist in employment really have come crashing down. And I would actually go one step further in the sort of post-COVID age where work by large is, is, is hybrid of virtual and real world. I actually think those barriers have been broken down even further, which again, creates more opportunity and your digital presence and your digital persona and your digital profile actually actually have more merit today than they ever have.
0: And what's your take on working from home and working in the office? Like we, we just mentioned COVID and that's completely changed a ton of industries. And now people are actually finding, you know, working from home, it allows them to do things in their life, you know, even silly things like put the washing on while they're at home. Uh, you know, that spare 20 minutes you've got to do these little tasks. As an employer, what do you think about the whole working from home versus working in an office? Or is it more of a hybrid
1: for you? Yeah, uh, my views of, on this have changed, actually. I think the world has realized we're capable through the technologies that empower us. We're capable of a lot more than we ever thought uh, we would have been, right? Um, I, I, I think this is a very subjective topic based on your lifestyle. So I'm going to give a perspective from an employer that is building a really ambitious business. Mm-hmm. So so for me... Um, the there was a lot of talk about how much more productive and how much more balance people have when with the ability to work from home Mm -hmm. um that's a that's a a truth and a false truth and i'll explain that because for the longest time people weren't able not everybody has the appropriate um sort of if you live in a city probably space is short and at the time when covid first hit um, uh, I was, I was living in New York and New York, like most major cities, most people are short on space. So this idea that you would work in this confined space and you didn't have the luxury of a house, a garden, those types of things, um, often meant your working life was a little more uncomfortable mm-hmm. on the antithesis of that. If you have a family and you have a little more balance and you can do some of your errands and search, of course, there are benefits. Of course, um, commutes are somewhat unproductive time. So I don't think we need a binary answer to what's right or wrong. I think the key for employers is offering high independence, high autonomy and flexibility. What I will say to underpin that though is as an ambitious startup, um, the collective sum of all that unproductive stuff that you call, you cannot form the same relationships digitally as you can in person. The, 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 water cooler talk, the camaraderie, the relationship building that you get from human connection and in-person is unmatched. So for me, if that is a truth, and we can generally all agree that um, in-world communication and relationship building is important, building great teams and dynamics, I believe, has to be done in person. Um, So our perspective and our policy at work is Everybody gets the choice to choose, but we're an office first business for the very reason that we have ambitions. We want everyone to have the camaraderie and actually find the fulfillment of that stuff we call unproductive. <laughs> you know, the, mm. the relationship stuff, the water cooler talk, all of those things that some people deem <laughs> unproductive. I just think the collective, some of that, uh, those things. Are incredibly important. So um, I'm an office first believer because I th- I believe it leads to best outcomes. But I have a deep appreciation for high autonomy and flexibility. And I think there's a world where t- the both can coexist. Right?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's a that's a brilliant answer. Um, you know, the, like you say, being able to give autonomy, but also saying, you know, actually re- relationships are important and coming to the office, you can build those relationships. I, I agree with you. I think I think that's a, that's the right way to kind of look at it.
1: Yeah. And people people I've spoke to that have been in other jobs and never met their colleagues and people that they spend a lot of time with. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are some things where we get more productive virtually and there are many things that aren't. There's nothing beats being able to, instead of having a pre-scheduled, removing the spontaneity out of life, there's nothing better than sometimes being able to just go over to someone and ask them a quick question, right? (laughs) Have a dialogue. (laughs) So I think as much as we save time in many respects, we lose a lot of time as well. So it's a tale of two halves. And I think this is probably a debate that industry professionals, um, many people will be having for for some time now. Mm
0: so just going back to your time at social chain you know we get a lot of people that that listen to this that want to go into marketing and what is maybe something they can do to stand out when applying for jobs whether it be a skill set they could learn or something they could do on the side what is something that would make you go oh, actually you know let's get this person in
1: yeah there's probably two answers i have to this first and foremost really thoughtful and intentional um I think one thing that people don't always recognize when they're applying for jobs is um, certain decision makers in business, how in demand they are. And their kind of hierarchy of priorities is going to be the people that they work with, their colleagues. It's going to be the business. It's going to be clients and such. Lower down that list is random people applying for jobs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think there's got you've got to be really thoughtful about, A, who you approach. Be very specific. Understand who's hiring. Um, Just reaching out to CEOs and founders and asking and and saying you want to work for them, that can work. But you probably, my advice to there is truly understand what they do and what their business is about. Be very clear on what value add you will bring. And three, have humility and don't be offended if you don't get a response. Like those things, I think if you go into that, um, I'm a big believer in in, um, timing really matters in these things. There are times I I do my best to endeavor to respond to anyone who outreaches to me personally, but I don't always live up to that standard, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on what's happening at the time. But there is a time when a random person will DM me and the stars have aligned and that opportunity is perfect, right? Mm -hmm. So if they've approached with, you know, uh, respect, they've been very clear, they've been very specific, that usually is the thing that uh, stands them out in good stead. And I, I, one thing I've got better at over uh, the course of my career is being very clear with people, no, I don't like to waste people's time either um, in terms of um, where, you know, and um, not apologizing for the answer, no, it's very easy to say no to someone mm. and, and try and be empathetic, but um, I actually think over the course of business, you harden to those things and realize the truth is never unkind. Yeah, The truth, the way you say it can always be unkind, but the truth itself never is. So um, I try and be as honest in those situations as possible. But to back to your question, I think first and foremost, be very intentional of who you're going to speak to. Be very clear on what you're asking of them. And the third is, is don't be offended. And in the early days of social chain in marketing, we were very clear on get our attention by doing something interesting and we had wild applications people sending you know floating goldfish with (laughs) like um uh you know usb sticks people building things and there is something to be said for that level of effort and commitment but in nine times out of ten the people that did that never followed through with a substance And ultimately a business is the business. Yeah. They would show that they cared and the passion and that's a big part of it. Like show me, you care, love that. That will open the door for you, but you still have to deliver. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer in, um, simple, direct contact, direct message, a thoughtful response. And let's be honest, right. We all have egos. So if you say something complimentary and nice, that probably goes <laughs> quite far as well. The amount of times someone said something nice to me, and I'm going, "He's so right," you know. "She's so right." He's so right. Like, we all have egos, so play to that. We're human. We have egos. Play to yeah, that a little bit. That's a
0: good point. <laughs> um, for you, what's been the biggest positive out of this whole career journey of of being an entrepreneur so far? Uh,
1: the biggest positive, um, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say a couple of things. So, so first and foremost. Um, I really value learning and 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 what I mean by learning that the road of entrepreneurship is really unclear. <laughs> it's really unclear it's really uncertain and um, and and what I think i value about that is um it's so refreshing that no two days are genuine the same. I, I genuinely think that so that for me gives me fulfillment. the second thing um working with people that i genuinely like, and building things with great people um, around that kind of singular goal. And that is hugely rewarding. You spend a lot of time with the people you work, uh, it makes sense to like them. And then the third piece is then going back to the people thing. Um, I feel in a privileged position to be able to offer opportunities to deserving great people. So um, giving back and giving people accelerated career paths. Um, all of those type of things, um, really rewarding to me. And, um, yeah, you keep those relationships for life. And I've been very blessed to work with some of the industry's best to learn from some of the industry's best, and hopefully I can reciprocate and give back a little bit.
0: And then on the flip side of that, what's probably, uh, something negative that you found about this whole journey?
1: Oh, negative. Um, I think, there's a little piece of everybody that uh, that fancies entrepreneurship that mm-hmm. kind of goes, I, I, I want the independence because we all want the, there's some universal truths about people. Most of us would like independence, autonomy of decision-making, you know, the potential upside that building successful businesses has financially and such. So I think everybody in them has that innate want to at least try entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, i don't actually believe that entrepreneurship can can reward people in the way that it, they think it can if and i'm not saying you're not if people aren't suited but i think entrepreneurship is um there there are a lot of things that there is a lot of weight and i'll use an old adage of heavy lays the crown right mm-hmm. you get to a point when you're accountable for a business where you have nowhere to turn And the upside or the financial upside or the potential financial upside um, shouldn't be at the compromise of happiness and balance and some of the things. So I think if you're a very self-aware person and um, I think if you're a self-aware person that knows what they like and what they don't and you're aware of your limitations, entrepreneurship can be a really good thing for you. If you're not, or you haven't quite got there in that own self understanding, it's probably not for you. Like, I genuinely believe that. I think it's it's all you've got. To, you've got to be quite self-aware in the business of entrepreneurship because you're dealing with people. You're working in unknown unknowns. You're often walking paths unwalked. And it can be really stressful. So, so I think that for me personally is um, things people should think about before embarking on a journey. Mm-hmm.
0: And just going back a bit to the beginning of a journey now we have loads of people listen to this podcast because they don't really know what they want to do with their lives. You know, they don't really know what career to do. Have you got any sort of tips or advice for an anyone that just doesn't really know what to do? I mean, your example to me would say just try things and see how it goes.
1: Yeah, kind of. Um, and I love this question and I love it for a number of reasons, because you grow up. If you think of your younger self, most people aren't where they thought they would be. You know, you, you don't really know what your future holds. And I think from a very young age in society, we have a lot of profe- uh, uh, pressure to have the answers to where we want to go and what we want to be. And there's this falsehood about being passionate about your work and letting that fuel <laughs> you. Um There's loads of things I'm not passionate about in in my day-to-day, right? There's tons of things. But what I think you can do is if you can have an appreciate, if you have that like real thirst for self-development, learning, you care about everything you do. I actually think those things are better predicators for um, finding a path that gives you fulfillment. And that's really what it should be about. Careers for some people um, will be simply transactional because fulfillment comes from other places. Um, For others, their fulfillment will be centered around their career and their ambitions and those things. So I actually think the the key is um, be willing to put yourself in uncomfortable situations, Um, be willing to uh, have the humility to know when things aren't going your way and remove all pressure from yourself of you have to have the answers because you don't and um I'll give you a really good pointed example the business that flight story is today 6 months after its inception is wildly different we had so many hypotheses and ideas of what we thought we were going to be mm. and we're not we're something completely different not better not worse but we're much clearer on what we are and what we want to be and the same can be said for people right so i i, I think um if, if, if you were to look at anything I've done and say there was success in it, it was um, I've always tried to pursue just being good at my craft, whatever that craft is. If it was like pursuing sporting passions or music or business, I've just tried to get good. And as a consequence or a byproduct of that, success has typically come thereafter. And I think that's probably a good enough start is just trying to be good at what you do
0: it's so nice to hear you say that about flight story and you know what you started out as to what you are now is completely different and you know for you know two very successful entrepreneurs to say that there's this illusion of perfectionism i think in in this like modern world and it's so nice to hear someone say well actually it's completely different to what we thought it was going to be and that's okay you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to have the perfect idea to start you just start
1: yeah, and the, the magic ingredient in most most things in life is consistency and just showing up. <laughs> like, think of anything. Think of where we have the most admiration in life. Mm. Um, sporting endeavours, musicians, you know, people we put on a pedestal, um, great academics, like whatever it is in society, entrepreneurs. The, the common thread in all of it, in success, is showing up consistently <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. And, and and actually the really good thing one of one of steve's kind of um pioneering thoughts that he's put into the world from his experiences um he has a quitting framework and he's a big believer in that quitting something is the precursor to starting something right okay. so he has this he, he has this uh, belief that if you get very good at knowing when to quit you're often very good at knowing when to start things, right? Like those Mm. two things go quitting and starting, go hand in hand. And we always admire people that start and go on journeys, but we don't ever admire people that quit things. (laughs) And (laughs) here's this really like interesting philosophy about it. Um, And from my perspective, I've took a lot of inspiration from that. And as you've seen through my career journey that started as like passion chasing Mm. through to then more stability, and then gaining the confidence to pursue an entrepreneurial career, I've gone full circle, right? I've Mm. gone from like big dreaming through to stable career through to entrepreneurship. So I've been the cycle of probably like all the various buckets that most people have. And I try and stay present now and enjoy it all. That's, that's, that's the key, right? Mm.
0: And to wrap this up, would you still go down the same path now knowing everything you know?
1: Hindsight is a wonderful thing. If I had a time (laughs) machine, would I change things? No, I wouldn't. um, I'm a big believer that my experiences have shaped me and I'm at at peace and happy with who I am as a person and my family and my loved ones and my friendships and relationships and all those things. So um, for me, I'm really happy with where I've been. If I was to give one piece of advice to my younger self, it would be just take more risks. Risks are so subjective. Mm. Just be unapologetically yourself and take risks. That's like the two bits of advice I kind of um wish I held on to more as a younger person, but that's all I would say.
0: Great advice. Um well thank you so much for coming on the show, Oliver. It's been a genuine pleasure to hear all about your career so far. And I
1: wish you the best of luck with Flight Story. Yeah, thank you, my (laughs) man. And likewise. Thank you.